Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I'm excited to welcome Zach Blakeney. Zach works as a self-mastery and consciousness coach and is the founder of the Conscious Creators Community, also known as C3. He empowers conscious entrepreneurs with the self-knowledge and skill set to transcend fear, permanently liberate limitations, and unlock invincible self-belief. His unique methodology and processes create fast, repeatable results that collapse time on achieving long-term success and personal fulfillment. In this episode, Zach shares the story of his porn addiction, which ultimately led to his marriage ending. Zach and I talk about working on ourselves, awakening, and tapping into our consciousness. Zach also talks about his C3 coaching model and explains why this model is so effective. Please check out all the ways in the show notes of how you can find Zach online and on social media. And if at the end of the episode, you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Zach, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for taking the time and wanting to do this with me. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to hear your story and share that with the listeners today. But before we get started, I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and maybe share with the listeners what it is that you do. And and I believe you're based in Austin, Texas. Yeah, that's correct, man. So thank you so much for having me on. First of all, it's an honor to be here with you and to be able to be here with your listeners as well. Uh, so my name is Zach Blakeney. I am a self-mastery and freedom coach uh, out of Austin, Texas. You know, beautiful place to live in, been here for a long time, and it's definitely a hub for consciousness. So uh, a part of what I do, and I say a part, uh, is truly bringing founders and entrepreneurs into their deepest purpose of why they're here and we could even call it their genius right of the specific reason why they're on this planet mm-hmm. and then guiding them to dissolve the limitations of fear uh you know all the things that come from fear which we know to be truly the cause of almost every limitation we experience unraveling those things really aligning with the truth that's inside of them and then through that process it creates you know an awakening a healing integration and then they truly find their most powerful self that's been inside of them the entire time. And the entire process brings them to a place for them to realize that they are creating a life without limits and collapsing time on their vision coming into reality. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And immediately what jumps to mind for me and, and with a lot of the guests that come on this podcast often is going through that journey yourself. And then mm-hmm. wanting to share that with other people and and help them through it. So the first thing that comes to mind to me when you talk about fears, is that something you had to overcome yourself? And and what did that process look like for you? Because when often when we, and the reason why I ask that, often when we go through that process ourselves, we recognize how fear is holding us back. But how are you able to get people that are stuck in that fear mindset to, to overcome it themselves. So maybe, I guess, two questions here. First, your journey, and then what have you learned that you're sharing with others? Yeah, so first of all, you know, I've experienced a lot of suffering and pain in my life, right? So 
Uh, I like to say that suffering is universal. The feeling of suffering is universal. Now, each one of us has different stories that has created this suffering for us. Uh, but to be able to connect and understand what it's like to truly doubt yourself, to truly believe that you don't have anything to offer the world of purpose, uh, to get lost in the world of doing, to get lost in the world of social conditioning. You know, victims have been raising victims for generations. Right? And when I, when we really get in depth in the depth of victimhood and people start to discover all the different ways that they're giving away their power, uh, you know, it, it becomes a very strong and, and uh, powerful awakening, something that they know inside of themselves. So the reason why I start there is that I'm no different. You know, my parents uh, came from a place, I mean, middle-class white America. I didn't have really a bad upbringing, so there's not anything to complain about, so to speak. Uh, everybody experiences trauma in some sort of way from taking on the belief systems from their parents and maybe it's religion or what they think about a country or what they think about money, all these different things. Mm. Well, but ultimately, my father was in the military. You know, we lived a really nice life. We always had food on the table. We always had a nice house. You know, I had a car when I was in high school. I mean, there was nothing to complain about when it came to what the resources that I had access to from the family I was born into. Well, with that being said, we had some resources that were, uh, you know, like uh, computers, right? And technology, things that were kind of state of the art. Uh, so when I was 14, uh, you know, it was two, the year was 2000. And we just moved from the dial-up internet <laughs> to broadband internet, which is very high-speed internet. And with that uh, was a flood of different videos and content and all the different things you could find on there. Well, yeah. 14 year old boy and i'm curious what am i curious about sex right so i started looking for uh sex online which is essentially porn and i found it because it was easy to find right uh, and then through that process uh i started to want to watch it because again it's just i don't know any better right um well that innocent start of looking at something ended up being an addiction that lasted for 16 years of my life uh and to say that in such a blanketed way is not doing a service. So going into all the different things that happened for that, my suffering, uh, was that it created, first of all, a massive amount of social anxiety. Uh, so yeah. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety uh, socially and talking to other people and you know just being honest and revealing myself to other people. Uh, that also created uh, intimacy anxiety, so performance anxiety. Um, you know, pornography is not a real world. It's a fake world. It's on this computer, right? So I'm watching sex. I'm watching other people having sex. Uh, and then there's something that happens in porn addiction. It's called escalation, uh, where what you watch in the beginning, uh, you know, it creates a dopamine response in your brain. And then over time, that dopamine response is diluted. So then you look for something else to watch and something else to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the 16 years, I've must have watched porn tens of thousands of times. I must have watched, you know, so many different scenes and imagery that wasn't actually just having sex with a real partner in front of me. Right. And created a lot of different illusions in my mind, a lot of different connections that I had made. Well, one of the main connections I made was that, hey, I can get an erection while I'm opening up my laptop or looking at this in front of a computer. But I started to experience not being able to get an erection while I was actually with a woman. That has to do with a lot of uh, subconscious remapping and neurochemistry and the neural wiring that you create with the thoughts that you create. Um, and, you know, when I was my early 20s, I was taken Viagra and Cialis, right, just to achieve an erection. And then mm -hmm. over time, I was diving further into porn. And then sometimes that wouldn't even work with me because of the fear that I was experiencing. Yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, all it took was a couple of times of quote unquote failing with a woman for me to create this connection that to be afraid to fail. And then what I do, I attached myself to it. And what did I do? I created my reality of quote unquote failing, right? Uh, for the women that I was with. Yeah. Now, you know, I had a couple of relationships and I got married when I was 27. And the woman that I found at the time, um, we had a very strong spiritual connection. It was one of those connections that's super deep. And I, I loved her so much. Uh, but I came into that relationship with a lot of trauma. And I was hiding the porn addiction, right? So yeah. over time, uh, this hiding, which I know to be a symptom of shame, you don't hide anything unless you're shameful of it. Right. Um, you know, it was creating these repetitive patterns of shame, right? Like showing up in another experience of shame. Um, and there's things that addiction does. There's other um, effects of addiction, like lying, right? Because you have to hide it. So you're lying, you're controlling, you're manipulating. Yeah. Uh, that sadness led me into drug addiction. So I was a full-on drug addict for about two years uh, that was also within the relationship and then finally she had enough and she left me when i was 30. Mm. so um so again that's that's even kind of broad i can go deeper on all this stuff but i'm just yeah. you know, people to understand that you know how much addiction truly tears up your life and i believe that porn addiction is the worst addiction on the world for two reasons uh one uh it's the most available you know you can pick up your phone and you can find it on your phone and then two, the emotional cycle that it creates is really the addiction. So, you know, you come from a place of guilt and shame, uh, and then you start looking at porn, which you probably said to yourself a lot of times that you weren't going to do it again. Yeah. Uh, and then you start looking at it, and then you experience ecstasy, right? Well, then when you get done, you lean back on you didn't follow your words, and now you feel guilty for doing the thing, and then you feel shameful for doing the thing. And then you bring those emotions back into the present moment that creates stress and anxiety. And then you want to escape the present moment back into the same cycle. Right. Um, so it's a very, very difficult cycle to break. Uh, and the way that I've been able to help uh, many men heal from this is by actually focusing on the emotional cycle and not necessarily the behavior yeah. uh, and learning how to heal from those things. So that's a, that's a recap of where it brought me and the, the level of suffering. I mean, you know, sitting there and feeling sorry for myself, feeling like I was being victimized by life. You know, why is this happening to me? Why am I different? Uh, why can't I be a normal guy? And all this self-pity, you know, I was just drowning in it. So right. I understand what that's like to feel like literally you have no control. Uh, and ultimately, it's just a huge illusion that you've created for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing all that vulnerably. And it's it's interesting, the whole victim mindset, because we tend to give up our control, as you mentioned, right? And and that we do have more control than we think in those moments if we choose to exercise it. And, and one of the things that I wanted to add on the whole concept of porn addiction, too, on top of everything you mentioned, it's also socially acceptable, right? In a way, like you can talk to your buddies about it. There's really no one that I remember growing up too, experiencing very similar things to yourself, but it was never really anyone pointing it out to me that, hey, man, like, do you think this is healthy? Because everyone was doing it, right? And and it was it was acceptable. So I think that is another issue. And and you know, people like yourself that are speaking about it is and and kind of talking about the addictive aspect of it is become bringing more awareness, which we didn't have previously. Uh, especially when yeah. we were coming up. Yeah, and it's, it's integrated into pop culture too. I mean, there's plenty of movies that you can watch, especially comedy movies where they joke about watching porn, they joke about doing these things, and it's very, it's presented in a very lighthearted way, right? But really, what I experienced was the depth of hell. Yeah. You know, of life right now uh, from that. So, 
you know, and, and again, it's really is individual to each person and how they're going to make the neural connections, the thoughts that they have on it. You know, my best friend watches porn and has been watching porn and even does OnlyFans and he's never had a problem with sex or doing that. Right. Um, so, and I know plenty of people that actually watch porn and again, it just doesn't affect them in the same way. So it really comes to the individual and how the connections that you make, what you think about yourself, it's all you creating this for yourself. Um, but you know, I do know that just based off the experience that I've had and the men that I've helped and also the studies that are coming out that say literally one in three people in the entire world struggle to some point of porn use. Now you blow that up. You're talking about almost two and a half, three billion people. Yeah. Right struggling with this so this is a worldwide uh epidemic right and it's really causing a lot of pain and suffering in people's lives yeah yeah and, and i think to your point without getting into too much detail but yeah i think there's that dopamine aspect because you know to your point it gets diluted so you want more and more of it and that's where it can escalate so i guess you know you kind of talked us through how that impacted your life for 16 years, which ultimately led to other forms of addiction, as well as the, you know, the ending of your, your marriage at that time. So what was that like? Was that the point where you realized that something needed to change or something needed to happen? Or is that kind of where you were talking about the whole victim mindset? What was that phase of your life like to, to kind of get to where you are today? Yeah. So while we were in the relationship or in the marriage, you know, my ex-wife was telling me how I was showing up, right? Hey, you're controlling me here. You're manipulating. You're still lying about stuff. Ultimately, that's why she left the relationship. Well, while I was in the relationship, I denied those things. You're in the middle of an energetic tango of a relationship. It's hard to see clearly, especially when codependency really starts to intertangle into all different areas of the relationship. So uh, it was about a month after she had left. And, you know, I spent that month still blaming her and saying, you know, all the different stories of blaming and complaining and victim. And uh, I sat down for a meditation and just a voice spoke within me and they said, um, you know, what would happen if you took 100% responsibility for your life right now? Mm -hmm. And it was a huge energetic shift for me because it gave me a new lens to look through. I said, okay, what does responsibility really mean? Okay. Well, to me, there's a lot of definitions for responsibility if you look it up on Google, but I like the one that's like the fifth or sixth one down. And it says that uh, responsibility is the moral obligation to act in respect of yourself. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, I said, okay, so how can I reorient my entire perspective on everything that I'm seeing right now that when I'm the cause, I'm the creator, and it's my responsibility. And then that drove me down a pathway of just truly wanting to understand what happened to me uh, during the addiction, right? Mm -hmm. And we can say what happened for me, but at the time, that's what I saw. All right. <laughs> uh, so that's what uh, I, I got obsessed with. So I started learning about neurochemistry, neuroplasticity, epigenetics, subconscious remapping. You know, I really learned as much as I could from science about what happens. And that equipped me with knowledge, obviously, where I can start and help and see other people um, to freedom that way as well. Mm -hmm. Also, I've my nat my natural genius is... Uh, intuitively picking up on patterns and just understanding human behavior. I don't, I'm not a psychology major. I haven't done those things. I just understand it. I just know it, right? So there was a, a marrying of those two to really want to help other people that were experiencing the same, same type of suffering that I was. Uh, and then something deeper unlocked because I realized that there was something still missing. And then the deeper thing that unlocked was truly a, a sense of spirituality or consciousness. Yeah. Uh, connection of everything, the energetic connection of everything, uh, seeing through a lens of what I like to say, or 
it's, it's a common term at this point, which is unity consciousness, that we are all connected, that, you know, this, that the creator is the creation and that the creation is the creator. They're all one. It's all the same. Yeah. Once that unlocked for me, then all I can really say is I started to experience more knowledge and wisdom just coming forward from within me. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I called them downloads from the universe. I didn't understand what they were, but it was like, I just knew things and I couldn't tell you how I do it. And I couldn't justify it to anybody else. And I didn't feel like I needed to because the message was so strong that people would hear the truth in the message. And I really wouldn't get a lot of like, where and somebody asked me where you learned from, you know, I couldn't say, you know, if anybody's followed Jay Shetty, I didn't go be a monk for two years. You know what I mean? I didn't do anything wild and special. I just truly healed myself and through that own healing. Uh, started to understand how I could truly help others, right, in this purposeful way. Um, so that's led me to really now uh, and understanding a few more things about how we truly guide people. Yeah. And what's the most effective way to do so? And what we found is, is that when we, we have crafted essentially an entire program of coaching and experiences and events that's centered yeah. around respecting the individual's free will. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the two dynamics of control and freedom or service, control comes from a place that your free will is being infringed upon and you're feeling controlled to do something that you otherwise don't want to do. Free will is your creative power and also your God-given right to choose. Mm -hmm. So if we create that, we say, hey, first of all, a lot of coaches in the industry would say, uh, I don't want to say a lot, but I know many. Um, would say, I had the answers and you're coming to me for the answers, right? Right. We switch that and we say that you already have the answer and we're just going to help you guide the truth inside yourself and dissolve all the victim loops, dissolve all the confusion, dissolve all the uncertainty so that you find what's already within you. Right. And this from a place of empowerment. So we've designed everything around this. And what we have found is just these incredible, incredibly powerful awakenings, um, empowerment, understanding, and purpose that's coming forward at such an accelerated rate that they know who they are. And then from that point forward, we bring them from that knowledge of self-awareness into self-mastery. Mm -hmm. One thing to know now my limiting side and my powerful side, but still there's the subconscious program there's the integration of this knowledge. There's going out and experiencing yourself as being powerful. And this is the pathway to self-mastery where you get to the point where you're only listening to one voice inside of you. And that one voice is your spirit. It's the thing that's calling you calling for you to do more, create more, be more. And when you're only aligned with that spirit, with that faith inside of you, the universe shifts for you. Right. You're creating it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for, for detailing all of that. I guess immediately what I would want to understand is why did you want to take a different approach as opposed to, as you mentioned, a lot of the kind of the, the traditional approaches are like, hey, come to me, I will guide you, I will help you with the answers or mm -hmm. uh, set goals for you, whatever it is. But why was it so important for you that the individual looks inside or looks inward? For, for those answers. Yeah. So when I define addiction, I have a broader view of addiction. To me, the broader view of addiction is the never ending search outside of yourself for love. Yep. And it's never ending. 
because yeah. you're not going to find love outside of yourself. You find it inside yourself. Now, love is a is is a statement, right? But let's talk about what love truly is. Mm-hmm. Love truly is faith and courage and joy and purpose and passion. Those things are going to be found inside of you. Because again, you have an individual purpose here on this planet that you feel called to serve others through. Right. The problem is, is most people hear that calling and they shove it down with fear. Mm-hmm. So once we start shoving it down with fear, we ultimately feel stuck. We feel unhappy. We feel victimized because truly we're allowing ourselves to be victimized by our egoic mind. So the other purpose for this is that the self-help industry is a $13 billion industry. What does that tell you about the industry? But it doesn't work. Right. It wouldn't be a $13 billion industry if it doesn't. And the problem is, is that it creates a never-ending chase of questions and answers and questions and answers and questions and answers. Cool, I have a question. Cool, I'll get this book or I'll listen to this podcast or I'll, I'll do this thing, whatever it is. And then, oh, I've got an answer. Well, that answer sparks another question and another question. And ultimately, all these things, I'm not saying that there's not value in self-help. I'm not on this podcast, right? Because I don't see that there's value in right. it. But these are all just tools. And tools made to be used by you, not to be the end all be all. And that's where we get lost in that. Right. We have created a world of effects and, and all, and we try and heal effects with effects. And this is what I mean by that. If I was in line, uh, you know, in front of me and then like two, I'll use people, like if you're listening right now, I'm in front of you, you're in line and your friend is behind you, right? Well, I push you and then you run into your friend and then your friend falls on the floor. Well, I go to your friend and I say, hey, brother, why are you on the floor? And they say, well, he pushed me. I say, hey, man, well, why, why did you push your friend? Well, you pushed me. Well, Zach, why did, why did I push you? Well, I saw my dad do it when I was younger, so I thought it was okay. Okay, now we need to go find Zach's dad. Zach said, why did you push you know, down your son? Well, I saw my, it, it's a never-ending, everyone passes the buck. And this is what we live in these days. This is effect, 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 and nobody wants to take responsibility to be the cause. Right. Right. So that's the same thing. It's the same pattern. It's this constant searching for answers outside of yourself, which depowers you, which leads you on this rat race of trying to conform yourself to somebody else's framework, to try and conform yourself to somebody else that's doing something similar in your business. And you start looking at their messaging, you start going, it just, it becomes so confusing and diluted that you don't go anywhere. Right. So the reason why that occurs is because the truth is within you. Yep. Yeah. If already within you, you will continue to fall in that trap until you have the courage to look within, until you have the courage to say, okay, there are parts of me that I've been avoiding, mm-hmm. which is creating a void inside of me. For sure. There are parts of me that I am resisting, that I don't want to experience, that I don't want to feel. And if for as long as you resist those things and you create these barriers inside of yourself, it is in the areas that you're resisting, it's in the areas that you fear that you find your genius. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be given to you that way. Right. It's stored inside you, but it has to be revealed from you tearing down your own bullshit. <laughs> and it is yours. It's nobody else's. Right. So until they can take that lens of responsibility, that ownership, that understanding, right? That they are the creator, that you are the creator, that you are more powerful than you could ever imagine. And I can tell you that, but you won't believe it until you experience it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the idea of free will is so important, as you alluded to earlier. And I think part of the challenge I see, even when it's, you know, to your example, it's easier to pass the buck than take that responsibility because 
by taking responsibility, it means now we have to do something about it, right? And and a lot yeah. of people love to stay in that stagnant status quo mindset because it's it's easy, right? Taking that responsibility, doing that work is hard. But to your point, that's where all the answers are. That's where the truth is. And and the other thing I wanted to to add in terms of when you say, you know, forms of addiction or or anything where we're shifting that focus externally, uh, even to seek love, is very conditional. And we we basically program ourselves to create our lives around conditioned responses. And until we're not able to tap into that well of love inside, we don't realize how unconditional it can be. And, mm -hmm. and we can share that with others too, right? So it's so important to, to tap into that. Yeah, and the the depth in which we 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 offer teachings and guidance through has a lot to do with uh, what could be called hermetic principles or laws of the universe, um, and really getting somebody to understand how they truly are creating the experiences that they're having in their life based off of the thoughts and the emotions that create the vibrational frequency to attract these experiences into their life. So, you know, everything is energy. It's just energy formed in certain things. The computer that I see in front of me that I'm talking to you on is energy formed into a computer. I'm energy formed into a human being. Yeah. Well, our vibration is related to two things, a thought and then also the emotion that we're holding. And if anybody's familiar with the Hawkins scale of consciousness, they have measured the vibration of different emotions all the way from the lowest level of vibration of shame to the highest level of vibration to what they call enlightenment, right? Yep. And most people think that they can just think their way into creating, but that's not the, that's not the truth. The emotion is what seals it in. So if I have a thought that says, you know, I'm going to create a billion dollar business. And then as I say that thought, my lower sacral flares up because I feel unworthiness or shame then you're going to say that, but then you're also attaching the unworthiness to what you just said. And ultimately, you're going to create experiences that validate you being unworthy to creating the billion dollar business. Right. Now, the shame and the guilt and the regret and everything else, this is coming from past trauma. This is coming from your subconscious program that was built uh, primarily from zero to seven years old. And then throughout your life of all the things that you repeatedly thought, felt, and did created this program for you. And again, we don't manifest from our conscious mind. We manifest from our subconscious, right? Yeah. So it's becoming very in tuned into how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about what we're creating. That's the most important thing. It's not the thought, it's the attachment, the emotion to the thought. So that is what we do is it's not just about creating these awakenings. Again, now we have to move through. We have to, so to speak, open a program where you have choices on autopilot and these choices are the cause that are creating an effect of suffering mm -hmm. of, that you don't like, right? Right. But you're on autopilot and you're not aware of those choices. So we have to open up that program, go into and find out where are the illusions that are you're sitting in right now? What are the things that you're saying to yourself, law of cause and effect, again, one of the laws of the universe, that you're creating your own effect. Mm -hmm. And many people don't want to do that. And you talked about responsibility. Responsibility, when you truly sit in it in the beginning, is very heavy. Because you have that in it. So the heaviness is the dissolution of all the things, all the pain, all the shame, all the suffering, all the illusions. And then through that process, then responsibility actually becomes very light to carry. Right. Because now you have a lens. Now you know the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. What I use is I would say, hey, if I were to throw you on a football field and say, you're going to go play quarterback and you've never played football before, don't even know what it is, you're going to suck at it. Yeah. 
but that's what our school system does. Our school system doesn't set us up with the rules of the game that sets us up for a subjugation rather than creation. Right. So I mean, a lot of times when we're bringing people either through our coaching or through our three-day experience that we have that's a training, a lot of the feedback is I never felt like I'd been taught to live until now. Mm-hmm. Once you understand how to create in flow with the universe, in flow with the universal laws, when you understand consciousness, when you understand emotional intelligence and the emotional regulation that comes from that, then you truly start to powerfully create. And the law of attraction tells us that when you have that thought that you say, I'm going to have a billion dollar business and you have healed from the shame around that. And it comes from absolute faith. The universe starts to again, shift to bring that to you. Mm -hmm. And then you have the duality of the law of inspired action, which is you having to take action towards it. And that the universe is bringing opportunities towards that. And then the, the, the marrying of those two collapses time on creating the vision that you see for your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's so important. Everything you've touched on for the listeners, I've just been nodding. So <laughs> my head's starting to hurt. <laughs> uh, one of the things I did want to build on and tie a couple of things you said, um, you know, over the last little bit here together, first of all, you know, you talked about the whole vibrational frequency thing and, and getting to that point of enlightenment. But that in itself is a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's uncovering those veils and healing that trauma to get to that point. But once you're at that point, you also mentioned earlier, you start you started getting downloads, right? And I think once you're at that point of enlightenment, you're vibrating at that frequency where you're starting to receive a lot a lot of that wisdom and information that we've heard about through mythology or a lot of the stories of the sages and saints from the past that's essentially what's happening right you're you're collecting that wisdom that is around you in that frequency that you're operating at and mm-hmm. so so and i agree with that because i've experienced something similar the one thing i want to ask you is does ever like the the idea of imposter syndrome ever kick in for you where you're like wondering like okay am i is this really wisdom or am I losing my mind? And like, how do you, you know, check in with yourself and recalibrate in those moments? Well, I'm going to offer a belief system and I'm going to start by saying, don't believe anything I say, but maybe be open to the possibility that this could be true. Yeah. So when we look at, again, the laws of the universe, one of the laws is the law of oneness, right? And this basically says that the entire universe is uh, connected through an energy. Mm-hmm. Well, the science has discovered something called the quantum field. And the yep. quantum field is now known to be an unmanifested energy that is literally interwoven between the seen and unseen reality. As in, as I'm looking into this computer, the air and space in between here, the quantum field lies. The quantum field lies in myself as well. So this to me is science's discovery of what I believe to be the energy of the creator or energy of God. Now let's go into something deeper, which is the connection, because a lot of times the ego will look out and say, oh, this is God's creation, but they don't realize that they are God's creation. Right. So with that, if, again, I've said this before, I'll say it one more time. If the creation is the creator and the creator is the creation, well, I am the creation and also the creator simultaneously. So that gives me access to tap into what would be eternal or infinite power to create whatever I want to create. And through this unification of essentially, and this triggers people sometimes, but I'm going to say it because I say it from the most humble place, that if I am God pretending to be a human being, then I am no longer separate from my creator. 
Mm-hmm. And by not separate from my creator, I am empowered with the creator's will to create what I feel called to create in this planet. And it's not that I don't experience a thought of imposter syndrome or inadequacy, but I have something that grounds me into a truth that frees me from these random thoughts that my ego mind wants to think. And from this stance, unworthiness is an illusion. It's not real. From this stance, you know, religion has basically taught us that, you know, few are chosen, right, by God, and that there's some sort of favoritism. My belief is that all are chosen, few will choose, right? right. And the few that choose truly run into and, and discover this power that's inside of them as well. Right. Like the reason why, again, this is controversial now, which I believe in the future, a hundred years in the future, this is going to be truth, is the religious systems, the dogma, the things that if I said, I'm God playing human, I'd be called blasphemy and I'm going to hell and all this. So it's all happened to me already. So, you know, just saying things happen. But then I look at them and I say, but how much suffering is your belief system causing you? Mm -hmm. That's really the whole thing is that I look, I don't care if you agree with me. I'm not coming from a place of right or wrong. I'm not even telling you that my belief system is right. What I'm telling you is that the thing that I believe empowers me and has brought a connection with my creator, with God within me, that is so deep, it's emotional that I never achieved under a religious stance. I was raised Catholic. I was so disconnected from God and Jesus and all these things. And the disconnection was the separation. Yeah. The belief that Jesus is separate from me, the belief that God is separate from me, the belief that I'm unworthy of God's love. Well, what does that mean? I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. So these that that this core central thing essentially comes from a place to wrap it up that says that I'm infinitely powerful, you're infinitely powerful. I'm infinitely valuable, you're infinitely valuable. And what does that make us? That makes us equal in our value and our power to create whatever we create. Right. So to me, it's the healing of inequality that we see in the planet. It's the healing of separation. It's healing of unworthiness. And that's why I believe what I believe, because again, I can experience thoughts, but I know what is true to me. And every time I lean back on truth, I create more power. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's so profound, everything you shared there, because I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but, uh, we don't have that much time today. (laughs) No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, yeah, no, and I, I, I mean, I'm kind of speechless because I've had similar experiences to yourself um, and, and recognizing, I, I don't think, personally, I found peace until I was able to surrender to that idea that, um, you know, I'm here for a purpose and I've been chosen to be here because, and then I don't need that validation from anyone else because now I know that. I've got that connection to the creator, as you've mentioned, right? And and to me, that's been the most peaceful realization, just sitting, uh, accepting that and and surrendering to it. And it, and it's personally changed my life um, in many regards. But uh, yeah, so I guess one of the things kind of related to what we've talked about just now and, you know, I was looking at your page as well. And, and what I noticed is very similar to myself. We kind of go through this transition, right? Through, through this journey itself, because we start this journey of self-discovery and, and self-healing and finding that love for ourselves. 
we embark on it. We don't know where we're headed. We just know that something needs to change and we need to start perhaps looking internally to find these answers. And then as we continue to go on this journey and grow, we learn new things and we um, try to forget old beliefs and old patterns and try to pick up new ones. And, and I think that's evolution in general for ourselves and everything around us is evolving too. So I think that's where that you, you find that you're, you're in sync with everything around you. What was like, what was your journey like uh, in terms of that whole transition since you mentioned, you know, going through that, your, your relationship ending to, to the point you're at today. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. What was that like? Yeah. So, I mean, it was very painful still in the beginning. No, I mean, I'm, I'm going through, you know, doing my best to heal from the relationship and detach from, you know, all the different thoughts I had about what it would be like to be married, right? I'm going to be with woman for the rest of my life. We were going to get through all these bad times together. We were going to do, you know, all this different stuff and, and truly really feeling abandoned, right? But I abandoned myself. So Maybe. that's what I created in my life, right? So it was, it's, it's really starting to understand that. And you know, the knowledge of how the brain works and, you know, how I became addicted to porn and all that. I mean, it was very, it was, it was, it was one of the first healing, uh, moments of my life. Um, because I always felt like when I was in the middle of the addiction that I was, it wasn't me, right. I, I felt like I was in prison kind of like my, my, and it was, my soul was in prison. I had, my ego had created the walls of the prison. Right. And and, and I was like, man, I can't express love the way I want to. I'm not showing up the way that I, that I truly feel is authentic to me. So, but I, but I didn't have the knowledge to understand why that's the case. Right. So once I had the knowledge to understand why this case, I was like, oh, this is why this is the answer, so to speak to that question. Right. So that was very healing for me to know that. And I came up with a grounding statement, which was very healing for me, which was, do which was, I was doing the best I could with the knowledge that I had. And that's something very hard to accept when somebody's in regret. It's always the I woulda, I shoulda, I coulda, until you realize that you woulda, shoulda, coulda, didn't do anything but what you did, because that's the reality of what happened. And we can't actually heal until we deal with the reality of what happened, right? Of course. Um, and the ego is such very, very, very good at trying to avoid reality. Yeah. Um, so, so then, you know, that brought me into a level of, okay, you know, I'm still hurting. I still do miss my ex-wife, but also I'm starting to look forward, right? It's what I wanted to create. And over the four years, like with my ex-wife, I was a bodybuilding coach. So I was still doing bodybuilding coaching. Uh, and then, you know, again, when the spirituality consciousness started to unlock, I was like, oh, okay, there's other ways to, to help people, right? There's other ways to guide people. And I did that for my bodybuilders. I saw really good results, but ultimately bodybuilding is a pretty egoic uh, industry. Um, yeah. And then I started to feel called to offer these types of teachings and guidance to people that are truly creating. So mm -hmm. our, our community is called C3, Conscious Creators Community. And what we say is, is that, you know, everybody in the world is a creator, but few choose to create. And those are the entrepreneurs, those are the founders. And, you know, I saw a video, um, I think it was this past week, I was in a mastermind and it was a video of like pretty much like suffering in the world, right? It's like, there's a starving kid in Africa. There was, you know, slave trade photos. There was all these different things. And that truly is what inspires me because to me, there is somebody on this planet that has the creation that will solve this problem, right? Mm. And if they'll stop shoving it down with fear and they'll let it come forward and let them surrender to the truth that they could be the one to end world hunger, that they could be the, the one to end child slavery, that they could be the one, right? Because that's what the, the ego says, and it's impossible, right? Right. That you have that within you. 
So that's what the community is about. That's what my purpose is about is that, Hey, I've been able to find my genius and my genius is to guide other geniuses. Mm-hmm. And that your genius has nothing to do with your intellect level. It has everything to do with how willing are you to surrender to the voice inside of you that's calling for your genius to come forward and has nothing to do with how smart you are. Mm-hmm. So that's really what has driven me from that point. And that's what drove me where I was just going back to that point where I was like, oh, this is really something that is, is infinitely powerful. And then that's when the second layer of healing came. It wasn't just the mind that healed through the understanding. It was the emotions that started to heal and remap through that. And a lot of it was done just through this bringing forward of connection with source, connection with God, and allow that to truly help me see without me thinking that I'm the one that sees. Right. Now, that's pretty complex, but when I say I, I'm talking about the ego I, when really it's we. I see with my creator. When I see with my creator, I create with my creator's will, and my creator's will is infinite. Hmm. So that was really where that second layer of healing came from. And I'm not even going to say that I'm permanently healed now. The healing journey continues to last throughout a lifetime. I'm going to be 80 years old and heal from something that I happened when I was 60, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like it's just a constant cycle of growth. And the one thing I've learned is that the only thing that truly authentic is change, right? Yeah. Can get even attached to what their authentic self is and then be incarcerated by their authentic self because their ego takes that idea and says, oh, this is you. Cool. Now this is you. And then closes off possibilities for you to be something else. Well, then you're stuck again mm-hmm. because the only thing that's authentic is change. You're right. going through your lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so important that you mentioned that the journey never ends because our ego will always be there, right? So that's that often that's finding that balancing act and, and always making sure we're, we're not only aware of the ego, but how we're letting the ego dictate our life at times. And that to me, I believe is our never ending journey, um, in this life for sure. And yeah, I mean, so important that you mentioned that. And one of the things, um, I just wanted to add, I've been kind of learning a little bit about more from an like a neurological perspective too, our brain, the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere apparently are supposed to have their own consciousness. And to your point, I believe it's the right hemisphere, if I'm not mistaken, is part of that collective consciousness that you were alluding to. Um, so so it's, yeah. it's pretty cool when you think about it that way, right? Yeah, it's it's the right that is in presence, uh, in most in connection. It's the left that is focused on the future and the past. Right. So. Um, so, you know, when you're, let's say you're at the gym and you're like, oh, I need to go to the grocery store to get a banana. Like that's the left side of your brain, right? When you're right. Uh, thinking you're at the gym and you're thinking about something that happened in the past, it's the left side of your brain. Well, we work out the left side of our brain. Like we work out biceps, like it's at least every day you're using that part of your brain and the right side is the stillness. So, you know, part of what we teach, I teach transcendental meditation and this meditation allows for both hemispheres to connect. It allows for the alpha waves and the theta waves for your brain to actually um, unify in the waves that it's creating. Uh, and, and through that, they've actually proven that meditators have a thicker corpus callosum, which is the, you know, the substance in between the two hemispheres that creates the connection between the two. Right. Um, so presence is so important. And ultimately, that's what we're actually teaching. Uh, we're bringing people from out of presence into presence. Because a very interesting thing happens as well when you cross-reference the three major omnis that we describe, God or the creator of the universe, which is omniscient, omnipresent. Yeah. Uh, and wow, the other ones escaped me. Omnipotent. There we go. Omnipotent. 
Yeah. Okay. All powerful, right? All present, right? And all knowing. If you cross-reference those three things with the present moment, that's what you are. Yeah. In the present moment, you're all powerful. You're all present. You're all knowing. And from that place, you actually get to create. But you cannot create looping in the experiences of the past into your present. You cannot create worrying about the future of what you're trying to do. You can only create from the present moment. And the more if you were to look at your day and you're saying, okay, I'm going to use my day and how, how much in a percentage I'm in presence and how much I'm not, you'll also be able to see why you're stuck in your life. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, to your point, you know, you, you mentioned about psychology earlier, but that's what psychologists are trying to help clients with, right? Because they're either focused on the past or the future. And, um, you know, I, I've been trying to link the whole idea of spirituality and mental health. Um, I'm trying to talk about it more too, because I think there's something there that we don't realize. And a lot of our present moment challenges or issues we encounter can be, we can gain reprieve from them just through focusing on everything you're talking about, just being in that present uh, mm -hmm. and acknowledging that. So, so thanks for sharing that. The last question I do have for you though, because um, I think when you talk about the whole idea of creator or God, for that example, um, a lot of people do get triggered. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm curious about is how are you able to help people you work with to get over that resistance, especially if they're, you know, if they've had some experience with religion from their past life or just never really have conceptualized it in their life and never really held on to that belief. How are you able to get them past that point of resistance? Yeah. So a few things. One, I, I like to use the language if I'm going to go down that pathway. For, so actually, let me say first thing, we've crafted our coaching around not bringing up anything like this. Like we, this is why we use like consciousness, laws of the universe. Um, so we're, we're teaching something that doesn't challenge their religious beliefs. Now, if my client wants to go into religion and talk about those things, I can use, for instance, in Christianity, you know, there's the father, there's the son, there's the Holy Spirit, right? So I can use these type of terminologies to connect what I'm talking about to them. For instance, the Holy Spirit is believed to be in, within everyone, right? Well, okay, that's a form of God. And that form of God is within you. So is it possible, right, that the Holy Spirit within you is actually God within you and you could actually find God inside of yourself? Is that possible, right? Indeed. So I can use those types of uh, terminologies to connect it. And I'm, again, I'm never telling them that they're right or wrong. Right. Just, hey, I'm just trying to speak your language so that you understand this concept. And if you understand the concept, great. And if you don't, that's fine too. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's not about telling them that they're wrong. Right? It's about just trying to, because unfortunately, that's what I get told. I get told that I'm wrong. I get told I'm going to hell. I get told I'm the Antichrist. I get told all these different things. Yeah. And the, the truth of the matter is, man, is that people would rather be right and suffer than wrong and free. Right. And that's the trick of the ego. Right. At least, you know, no matter if, if I failed, at least I'm right about failing. Yeah. Right? And that's more important to them then opening up to the possibility of being wrong and then from being wrong, shifting into a belief system that can truly help them. And it's not that Christians can't create huge businesses and beautiful things in their life. There are plenty of people that have created big businesses that are Christians as well. So again, this isn't about that, you know, it, it, again, and that's really the separation between like religion and what do you believe about yourself and what you're going to create in your business. They, they, they're intertwined, but they're also completely separate simultaneously. Right. So just what I try and do is I really want them to understand that like, Hey, what I'm teaching, what I'm offering to you is an opportunity and it's still your free will choice to choose it. 
And if you choose it, here's some of the effects, here's some of the results that you can experience. And if you choose not to choose it, then we can find some other pathway of really getting to, through those limiting belief systems and get you to the point where you believe in yourself and you believe in what you're creating. So just to wrap that up for a second, I would say, again, when we're coaching, it's not with like, oh, we're going to teach you unity consciousness. We're teaching you hermetic principles. We're teaching you laws of the universe. We're teaching you consciousness. We're teaching you about the ego. We're teaching you these things. And if you choose to dive deeper, sure, we can start talking about that as well. But it's very effective without having to have that deep dive. Right, right. No, thanks. Thanks for building on that for sure. Thank you. Um, Zach, I, <laughs> I'd like to say that this is not how I envisioned the conversation going. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, I mean, I I welcome it. And that's the beauty of, you know, having these conversations because you never know what you're going to get out of it. And I feel like I got a lot out of it. So, so first of all, thank you for that. And for listeners that do want to get a hold of you, whether it's finding you online or social media, what are some ways they can do that? Yeah, so luckily no one has my name on social. So my my tags on all my platforms is at like me. Um, and then also Conscious Creators Community or C3 underscore Unity. Uh, you can find the community there as well. Um, and once you go there, you can explore some of the links in the bios, different ways that I serve people. We have a, a program for entrepreneurs, obviously, to create, to heal, to awaken, to create, to integrate. Um, we have a three-day training called the Journey to Nobody. And this is a three-day experiential training. Uh, it is completely unique. I haven't seen anything like it. Um, what we've done is we've crafted experiences over the three days, and you show up in the experiences, and we assess how you show up. And literally, when people leave from that experience, they'll know exactly where their limitations are and where their powerful self is. Uh, helping with integration with courses, and uh, again, just so much going on that you know we're just building an entire community platform that truly helps people. Uh, transcend fear and and lean on the faith inside themselves to powerfully create their lives. Oh, that's really cool. So, yeah, I'll definitely put all of that in the show notes, and uh, hopefully, people reach out to you. But thank you again for coming on here and and having this conversation with me and making the time. So, I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. It was my honor. Thank you. Thank you for checking out this episode with Zach. Please subscribe to the podcast if you already haven't done so and leave a comment. I always love hearing from you until next week.